Welcome, welcome, welcome in to Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Happy Thursday. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you. 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. Again, 46862. Send us your thoughts, your questions, your comments, rants, whatever you have for us on the text line today. Coming up on the show today, Purdue adds to their big recruiting class for the class of 2024. They've ran out of space yeah. and then some. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Some big decisions to make. In they do. Uh, in fact, uh, we'll, we'll get to that a little bit as well, talking about roster turnover after this year. We'll get to that here after headlines. Plus, IU Wright State tonight. Are the Hoosiers in danger? A look at this matchup. Plus, Notre Dame has a different thought on a major recruiting change. Interesting take here by Notre Dame's director of recruiting on something that uh, we all see when it comes to recruiting. We all know what this is and perhaps a bit annoying for staffs. Notre Dame is taking a different perspective on this. I I find this a fascinating topic. Plus, uh, is this Justin Fields' final chance in Chicago? He's expected to start Sunday at Detroit, returning from that thumb injury. Uh, We'll talk about what he's done so far this year and... Is this it for Fields? Like, is this season it? This is his final chance. Um, we'll debate that in hour two. Also in hour two, uh, as IU gets ready for right state, the Hoosiers have to adjust on three-point shooting. It's not just they're not taking enough threes. It's that other teams are taking advantage of them from three. We'll, we'll take a look at the numbers. And Major League Baseball is eyeing another change, this time to the pitch clock. And this could produce some better results as the statistics trended in a bad direction the end of last year and before we leave you well it's it's the holiday season basically right we're a week from thanksgiving and you could earn some money to watch hallmark movies ah (laughs) yes it would have to be a sizable amount of money for me it is a sizable amount of money. okay well sign me up we'll, we'll, we'll get we'll get to that before we wrap it up also don't forget we have iu michigan state tickets to give away this is uh, the last four-pack of tickets we're giving away this week. So, uh, man, we need another keyword. Let's go with Saturday. Saturday, that that's easy. Saturday. Saturday to 46862. Again, Saturday to 46862. And uh, you could win a four-pack of tickets for IU Michigan State. Noon kickoff in that one for the Old Brass Platoon. Can't wait for the Hoosiers in the penultimate week of the regular season in college football coming up this week yeah it's we've we've reached that time and wow we already got some text rolling in uh we've reached that time uh if you're in the big 10 you have matchups that matter if you're in the sec it is it is <laughs> the the built-in bye week so Enjoy that. I just, I I just I, never understood that being so late in the season. Well, the reason why they do it is the week after is rivalry week. So they yeah. want to give themselves an, a gimme game. I, I, I don't know. I, I hate it. It's week scheduling. And nobody. No one calls them out for Nobody it. calls them out for it. Yeah, exactly. And they've done this for years. Everybody wants to talk about the teams, the patsies that teams play at the beginning of the season and don't want to talk about the patsies they play in the middle yeah. of the season. Yeah, I, I don't get it, but it is what it is. All SEC right. writes the rules. I mean, they're, they're oh yeah. In terms of the narrative, like they, they 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 control that. That's for sure. Now, if they stop winning national championships, they will no longer. I would agree. Write the narrative in the rules. Hasn't happened yet. 
Nope. And I don't know if it's going to happen Not again this year. Not with the way Georgia's playing. <laughs> or Alabama. Yeah, Alabama. Able to that's for this, that uh, matter. We, we shall see. All right. So headlines this morning. Draymond Green, five-game suspension uh, from the NBA over the fight. He was one of three players ejected uh, in that game against the Minnesota Timberwolves on Tuesday night. Uh, also, Clay Thompson, Jaden McDaniels, fined $25,000 along with uh, Rudy Gobert. Uh, for their roles in all of this. I don't know, five games, enough, not enough? I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's enough. I get that right. he's a multiple repeat offender and all of that, and guys got five, but just, I don't know. I mean, he's going to lose. This is insane. He is going to lose nearly $770,000 this five-game suspension. That's where it hurts, definitely. Yeah. Draymond, for... for Everything that went down, there were real no punches thrown. And so that, that to me, I guess you look at levels of, 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 uh, of misbehavior. It's not up there. I said it yesterday. You could, you could make a case that Draymond Green was just strictly trying to protect a teammate in terms of Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gobert and putting him in a headlock and getting him out of the situation, I guess. But um, yeah, five games is fine. I have move I have really have no issue. We'll move on. I mean, I get it. The Draymond's done stuff a million times, but it's not it doesn't warrant a massive penalty. I don't think so. I feel like five games is the most you, you could have done in this situation to begin with. Yeah, that's fine. It it just I'm fine with it. It, it is what it is. If there's something more serious, then yeah, I, I think you have a bigger punishment. In Major League Baseball, uh the Padres Blake Snell, along with the Yankees Garrett Cole, they've won the Cy Young awards for the season and for Blake Snell, it's his second award. And for Garrett Cole, it is his first uh, and he won it unanimous unanimously. He's coming uh, second twice, finishing the top five, three times. So finally able to break through. And that was pretty obvious on both sides with the two. I mean, Garrett Cole was dominant. Blake Snell was dominant and it really wasn't much of a contest. Blake Snell got 28 of the 30 first place votes Logan Webb and Zach Gallen getting the other two in the National League and in the American League, Garrett Cole got all 30 first place votes. So it was obvious who was going to win the Rookies of the Year on Monday. It was pretty obvious with Wednesday's uh, Cy Youngs today. We'll find out who gets the MVPs in Major League Baseball. And Blake Snell is a free agent. Uh, he is. But he hasn't put any thought into free agency at uh, all. Sure. Sure he hasn't. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure he's put thought about how much money this is exactly. going to help after he rejected a $20.3 million qualifying offer from the Padres. I, I don't think he'll be back with San Diego. I think that's a, that's a given. With all those big money contracts they have, it's going to be very difficult to hold on to somebody like that. Uh, elsewhere in uh, sports, uh, this uh, if you would have told me this would be the scenario that played out at the start of the year, I would have been shocked. But David Braun has been named the permanent head coach at Northwestern. What they've been able to do after firing Pat Fitzgerald, it, it's been a shocking turnaround uh, considering where the program was at You know, prior to even the, the allegations and everything that went down in the offseason. But to be 5-5, five and five, fighting for bowl eligibility the last two games of the season, uh, I don't think anyone would have expected them to, to have that opportunity at this point in the year. He's done a phenomenal job. 
and with a win on Saturday over Purdue can get to bowl eligibility for Northwestern, which felt like would be Herculean to reach that point once this season started with everything that went on behind the scenes. And David Braun, remember, was a guy that wasn't around for the things that went down at Northwestern. So he's pretty much got a clean slate both previously in the past and now currently. And it made just too much sense with the way he's been able to handle the adversity and get this team to five and five and just a a phenomenal performance by him. Well-deserved for David Braun. Uh, A Northwestern program that went three and nine and one and 11 the previous two years. So it's a huge turnaround for them in that aspect. It's been huge. And for him, has never been a head coach before at the college level. North Dakota State, Northern Iowa, UC Davis was his primary places as being a coordinator and an assistant coach. So now he steps into a big role at Northwestern, but he's handled it at least this season very, very adeptly. Elsewhere in college football, the NCAA rejected James Madison, Jacksonville State, and Tarleton State's postseason waiver request. Uh, now that's where that stands today. Uh, James Madison and, and Jacksonville state uh, can still play in a bowl of their not 82 bowl eligible teams, which there's a chance that could play out. I, why do you shut the door on James Madison? What's the reasoning that you're not allowing them to be eligible for a bowl? There's 10 and 0. There's 6 and 0 in the Sun Belt. I'm not saying they need to go even to a New Year's 6 bowl. I'm not saying that, but what's the reasoning on why they would be shut down and not being able to go to a bowl? They, I mean, the NCAA has this, this rule, you know, where you, you, you gotta be several years in before you're eligible for a bowl game. And, uh, it, it feels, it feels like a, a bad rule. And I think the other thing with all of this is the NCAA's kind of recognized there's issues in this process because they've upped the fee from five thousand dollars, you know, to to advance to I think I I saw a five million dollar application fee. That's was, up from five thousand. It I mean, was five thousand dollars to move into the FBS yes. from the FCS. as far as the application fee. Now it's five million dollars, <laughs> which again it should cost a lot of money because FBS football costs a ton of money, and so you need to have, a, you know, kind of a commitment that Kennesaw State will grow FBS to one hundred thirty four teams. We've seen a lot of growth just over the last you know, decade plus for a long time, it was stuck at 117, uh, but they, they keep adding teams. So they're making it tougher to move up. And again, it's a four year process. So I don't know. I, I think maybe making a higher application fee and getting rid of the, the, uh, the bowl eligibility requirement maybe is the, the better route to go. It, it, and James Madison has history with the NCAA because they applied for a waiver to shorten its FBS transition from two years to one. And when they went eight and three in their first FBS season last year, they got that denied. And now they're denied again. Now, that, as you mentioned, they could still go to a bowl game, provided if there are not enough teams to fill all the 82 slots along with Jacksonville State. I just don't understand what the reasoning is to say, no, as an undefeated team in the Sun Belt. And make no mistake, James Madison's a very good program, but it's, we're not talking... Uh, even if, if this was a 12-team playoff, thinking about James Madison in the playoff, but they've deserved, that they've earned a bowl game. And to tell them no for seemingly no good reason is kind of weird. The NCAA, uh, the Division One Council, again, I talked about that $5,000 to $5 million application fee. They also removed attendance, the attendance requirement, which was a longstanding thing. 
uh, not that it seemed like that was enforced, right? And then placing stricter Mac yesterday. (laughs) I turned on Maction last night. I'm going. There's nobody at this game. And then they have stricter scholarship usage requirements. Text coming in. If you open up that Pandora's box to allow a team to jump up and be bowl eligible, teams will start jumping up and down based on how good their team is to cash in and save money. So what? What's the problem with that? Yeah. A, I don't see that. But B, so what? So what? James Madison is is clearly earned the opportunity. I, I think how this will shake out. I think last I saw there are 58 teams that are bowl eligible with you know six plus wins, and then I want to say twenty two with five wins, and there are eighty is it eighty slots or eighty two? Either way, eighty two forty one teams, okay. forty one bowls, eighty two teams. Okay, so that's a shortage of two teams right there. So I, I think they'll have their opportunity to play in a bowl. It just will have to play out in a, a different way. If you look at North Dakota State, who has won national championships at the FCS level. If the North Dakota State said, wow, we have a really good team for 2024. We think we could go Division I next year and make a bowl game in FBS. Who is anybody to say they can't? Like, what would, what, what's, what's the problem with that if they want to jump up? They still have to try to f- schedule games, which as we know, games are scheduled years in advance they would have to find a league that would take them for a year or two it's not easy but why is there a rule that says or or the reasoning is well you'd have teams jumping up and, like so what so what? what what's the problem with that i don't understand why people are leaning on that give me a good reason it's not really a good I mean, reason. Good reason. <laughs> if, if, if North Dakota state wanted to jump up for two years because they have a really good program and think they can make a bowl game and make a lot of money Who's to say that's not allowed? Who's to say we can't allow that? I, I, I just, I understand what the text are saying. I just, my pushback is, so what? Like, what's the problem with that? But that's me. Dumb rule or it's not a rule. That's what someone else texting just, in. It's, if the NCAA has plenty of rules to make sure that it comes out on top on things, but doesn't have a lot of rules where the programs will. So what if they want to jump up for two years and make a lot of money by going to bowl games, and then drop back down when their team is is no good? Then so what? Let them do it. They got to figure out the the schedule. They got to figure out the bowl affiliations and the league stuff. So what? The other thing that's silly about this: the James Madison, the Dukes, they can't play in the Sun Belt Conference Championship game either, which is really dumb. Even though they're the only team that's still unbeaten in league play. If you were, even if people were going to watch the Sun, the Sun Belt. Uh, championship game anyway, which not a lot of people are. Now you don't even have clearly the best team in the Sun Belt playing in the championship game. Yeah, it, it, this whole thing is just it's silly. I, I don't know what else to say. I would agree. But hopefully they land somewhere once all the bowl matchups shake out. Uh, we'll talk about this more in hour number two, but Justin Fields set to return Sunday off the thumb injury that he suffered, so I guess oh. to take on the Lions yeah. his first game back. Have Welcome fun with back. <laughs> and the Indiana Pacers, uh, they made a move as Daniel Tice is going elsewhere. Daniel Tice uh, has agreed on a contract buyout with the Pacers, now plans to sign with the Clippers, assuming he clears waivers. The Clippers lost backup center Mason Plumley to a sprained MCL for several weeks, so he goes there to provide some depth and 
will get probably some immediate playing time as well. Okay, speaking with the, uh, about the Pacers, did you see this about Tyrese Halliburton talking yesterday about where he learned his basketball IQ? And so many people, oh, you got to play so much basketball on the on the floor floor and stuff to learn that stuff. He goes, honestly, a lot of my hoop knowledge and knowing how to play comes from video games. When you're playing <laughs> 2K and you're on that camera angle where you can see everything ahead of you, that's how I think sometimes. That's awesome. It's phenomenal. And true. So he's basically, I grew up playing a lot of 2K. Learned a lot of, a lot of basketball IQ that way. So, hey, whatever works. That's right. Tyrese Halliburton. Whatever works for Tyrese Halliburton. And he's playing pretty, pretty darn well right now. Meanwhile, in college basketball for Purdue, Jakari Harris committed to the Boilers. Glenn Robinson's son. He's a 6'4", 180-pound four-star guard. The sixth member now of Purdue's recruiting class now ranked seventh. They move up two spots with the addition of Harris. He's ranked as the number 75 recruit overall nationally, according to 24-7 Sports. Uh, so we've we've had a, a one of Glenn Robinson's kids play football. Glenn Robinson played at Purdue and another playing basketball now at Purdue as well. Uh, Harris chose Purdue over Georgia Tech. And, and really the ultimate impact here is roster turnover. I mean, Purdue's oh, in, a, in a tight spot when it comes to scholarships. And Dylan Sin was pointing this out yesterday uh, after the signing, but Purdue's going to have a very different looking roster, not just because Zach Eady is, is moving on, but they're going to have to make some tough moves here. You look at where, and Dylan Sin did a good job of breaking this down on social media yesterday and basically said, okay, so Purdue has 11 players on the roster with remaining eligibility next season. And they're anticip- they're going to bring in six recruits now. So that means several players got to leave. At least three scholarship players have to leave. And you look at, at post-Zach Eady, this team's going to look a lot different next year. Whether who whoever leaves is it is it Trey Kaufman Wren, um, Ethan Morton, Will Berg. I mean, Kim Heidi. I, I don't know. Ryan Waddell. I mean, you're looking towards the bottom of that, and and the excitement is oh, you can go very deep this year. But even Matt Painter said it this week. I said I don't have enough minutes for everybody, and he said inevitably people are going to be angry with their lack of playing time. And he said, yeah, that fosters competition, of course. But he even admitted, I, I don't have enough minutes for everybody. And now with a six-man recruiting class coming into ne- coming in next year, you're going to have some tough decisions to make for these athletes to say whether I'm going to stick around or not. And and inevitably, even if all eleven said, yeah, we're coming back, coach, Matt Painter is going to be like, no, no, I, 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 you don't have room for all eleven. Some of you got to go. I think when you look at it, the the obvious ones that I could see. Ethan Morton, he's been there for a while. He still gets some minutes, but not as much uh, compared to last year, at least so far this year. Uh, You have Mason Gillis, who's been there a a long time. Trey Kaufman ran if he doesn't develop and break out this year. You think he's on the move? I mean, people think that Will Berg is that next guy that after Zach Eady, but you don't know. And then maybe Brian Waddell. I mean, he's like a Purdue legacy, but if he wants to go somewhere else and get more playing time. I mean, he he cracked the rotation for some of last season. It's going to be tougher for him this year. Maybe that's the move. But it's an interesting move approach for Matt Painter 
he had a ch- he had a chance to lock in some really good players in this class, and he said, "I'm going to sign them, and I'm going to worry about the the rest of it later." And there's going to be some some definite roster implications for Purdue heading into next season because they do not have enough scholarships, and it's not even close. And, and this is the the approach that a lot of college football programs take. Yeah, kind of gray shirting is what they call it. Take and, more and, players and figure it out on the back end. Yeah, which is what. They've done, you know, especially in the South, the SEC teams have done this for years, and now Matt Painter going to have some tough decisions. Again, I think two out of the three will take care of themselves as far as transferring. I think that third one is is going to be interesting to see, uh, you know, how this plays out over the course of the, the upcoming offseason for Purdue. And those are fascinating conversations to have when you have your head coach. Imagine this. Imagine if you're... You're all in on Purdue. You want to come back next season. Coach Painter recruited you to West Lafayette, all that stuff. And then inevitably you have to have a conversation where Matt Painter has to tell you, I don't have room. I know you want to stay here, but you can't stay here. And those are difficult to difficult conversations to have on both sides. We'll see if it comes to that for Purdue. I also think it'll be easier with guys entering the portal because remember last year, the way things ended, everyone wanted to come back and have that opportunity and there wasn't really as big of a threat in terms of playing time and the roster yeah you had miles colvin come in but that was it right and lance jones come in yeah uh between the portal and recruiting class but with a big recruiting class and then guys just again guys have been there several years ethan morton mason gillis uh, you know could caleb first even be a transfer candidate i mean he's a guy who you'd think if he comes back will probably be a starter and get plenty of minutes and plenty of playing time, but could that be a possibility? Seems like almost everyone's on the table for this outside of the table. You know, Fletcher Lawyer, Miles Colvin, Braden Smith. I mean, outside of that, it feels I mean, like anyone could be an option. Even they could be an option. That's the thing that in this day and age with the portal and how easy it is to leave and and opportunities elsewhere. Are you looking at Caleb first? I know his brother's there. I just anything's on the table for Purdue. They just want to focus on this season before working about next season, but this is this is a thing. And when you look at what Purdue, they only brought in a single recruit last year in last year's class in Colvin. You can't go back to back years with not bringing a lot of fresh blood because inevitably you know there's going to be attrition on the roster. And now maybe even Matt Painter anticipated more attrition after last season heading into this season, but the way last season ended, everybody wanted to come back and make this season right after how last year ended. And so he didn't have that attrition that maybe he thought he would, that normal teams and programs have. Now he's in a position where he's signing six really good players and has to find room for them. This naturally works itself out for the most part, but I'm sure there's going to be at least one player that would love nothing more to stay in West Lafayette next year. That's not going to be afforded that opportunity. Someone texting in at four, six, eight, six, two Edie can still come back for one more year. Yeah. I, he's not, I, that's he's not, not happening. He's not, <laughs> this is it. It's not coming back. I mean, we were all surprised he came back uh, for this season, but no, he's not coming back. Coming up on the other side from Purdue to IU, the Hoosiers, could they be in danger tonight? IU taking on Wright state. We'll take a look at this Wright state team and how things could play out. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.
Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on a Thursday. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kenny with you. 46862 is how you reach us on the text line. If you have thoughts on the Hoosiers, send them our way. Uh, and speaking of the Hoosiers, giving away a four-pack of tickets to Saturday's IU-Michigan State football game. Again, a four-pack of tickets. Uh, keyword today is Saturday. So just text Saturday to 46862. And uh, you'll be in the running for that final four-pack of tickets for the IU-Michigan State game Saturday down in, in Bloomington at Memorial Stadium. Uh, old Brass Platoon game. Looking Spatoon on the it. line. Yes. It's a cool trophy. It is. It's not just a cool name. Like, it's a cool trophy it's as well. It's a cool old Splatoon that you can just carry around for a year. Like, uh, I wonder, like, are you allowed to spit in it? Like I don't know. Do you celebrate the locker room? Everybody gets to spit in it? Yeah, like how, how does that work? I don't know. Hopefully they're just carrying it around <laughs> yeah. and spitting in it. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, it's brass. So, I, I mean, cleaning it is not just, you can't just like rinse it out, right? right? I mean, it's yes. a little more yeah. difficult than that. Yeah. We're going to make sure we're de-san- de-sanitizing uh, that. Yes. Nasty. <laughs> uh, from, from football to basketball, IU Wright State coming up tonight the Hoosiers 2-0 on the year but <laughs> definitely not an impressive 2-0 on the season and this is an 0-2 right state team so you look at it on paper and you you expect it to be another IU blowout well they've not been able to do that in games one and two so I guess why would you expect that this is a right state team that got blown out at Colorado State and they lost to Toledo by a point so that that's what they've done so far on the season so I mean on paper yes that gives you hope if you're Indiana, but there are a lot of good players, a lot of good talent on this right state team. Uh, they were third preseason in the horizon league. They returned their top four scores. They have the preseason player of the year and Trey Calvin averaged just over 20 points a game last year. Uh, I believe if I'm not mistaken, he's averaging 27 and a half so far through the first two games this year. Uh, Tanner Holden returns to right state from Ohio state. He was a two time horizon league first team pick previously there. The, the one thing where IU can take advantage of size, the, the tallest player for the Raiders is only 6'9". Obviously, IU has a 7-footer in Khalil Ware. But this isn't a talent issue for IU. It's, it's an effort issue. And against an experienced team with a lot of talent, once again, you wonder if IU can, can answer the call tonight because it just seems like they're playing with fire every game now. Well, Wright State is is solid is a solid mid major, and you mentioned Trey Calvin, but they meant they bring back multiple starters from last year's team. This still comes down to if Indiana can execute or not. Indiana yeah. loses this game if it's unable to play to its potential, and it wins its, this game if it does. And that is the big question, and it's been the question for the first two games of the season: is can Indiana play up to its potential, or is it going to struggle? Again, it is a Wright State team that's been very good in the paint in terms of scoring. And while they're not overly big, they're able to get to the basket and finish. And they have three guys averaging in double figures, of course, led by Trey Calvin. It's a team that makes 75% of its free throws. It's dangerous. It can be dangerous from three. Trey Calvin hitting 50% of his threes so far this season. So it is a good enough team to make you pay if you don't come out and play good basketball. And that's the biggest question right now for Indiana is, is is it right now the way it's constructed and with the new pieces and the inability to put it together, is it capable of playing 40 minutes of complete basketball 
against a solid opponent of which Wright State is. Well, and you talk about potential. What, you know, if IU plays to their potential, I guess the, the question is, what is IU's potential, right? We don't know because <laughs> we true. haven't seen them do that yet either. And the potential even heading into the season was, all right, they can be a, a nine seed, a 10 seed in the tournament. So exactly what is that potential? It's a, it's a great point. And where Indiana goes, you, you would think with each successive game, the expectation is you see them look more and more comfortable playing with each other with more and more effort. But if you continue to see the same lack of execution and lack of effort with each preceding game, then you start really getting concerned. We asked Dylan Sin about this yesterday, about when do you start getting concerned about Indiana? And you still have time, but you'd like to see progress. Tonight, if they can get a double-digit point victory, would be progress, especially if they can command the game from the jump. Well, the other thing is, UConn's looming on the schedule. I mean, they get UConn coming up on, what, Sunday afternoon? Right. One o'clock. The defending national champs uh, at Madison Square Garden. And then IU will have another game after that the the day later, whether that's Louisville or what Texas so a couple high major opportunities but you got to show something before that UConn game to to have any confidence I, I guess going into that matchup you'd like to see some momentum you'd like to see McK- I, th- I think once again you're watching Mackenzie Ambako tonight and see if he can put some semblance of a game together after not only not performing well, drawing the ire of his head coach is, okay, does Mbako look more comfortable tonight? And and a lot of that could be just purely effort. And Mbako looked like he's interested in playing major college basketball because through two games, there's been times where he hasn't looked like that. So it's more of a prove-it game for me for Indiana if they come in and play the way they can play or at least produce the way they can with this talent on the roster then they should be okay tonight but right state's good enough to make it a game and clip you if you're not ready and for indiana i think another thing will be interesting to see i mean they're they're shooting 33 percent from three not terrible but it's not about the percentage it's about the three-point attempts and as a team through two games they have just 24 three-point attempts we'll get more on that in hour number two but you just want to see a Mike Woodson team actually want to shoot threes. And it's just, it's like they don't even want to do it. It's an interesting debate. We'll get to, to hour two on, do you want uh, the IU to make more? Because always it's, it's, it's taking too many threes. They're not taking too many threes. They're not taking enough threes, but do, do you, do you want Indiana to be that team or not? And, and how much success and failure of the team is predicated on that. And we'll, we'll go back and forth about that an hour or two. But uh, when you look at Wright state, they don't shoot a lot of threes either. Only 19% of their points have come from beyond the arc, which is 315th nationally. So it's a team also that doesn't in terms of, of coming in tonight, be a team that's going to launch a lot of threes and have to make a lot of threes to be in contention. But with the length that Indiana is able to deploy that's going to be bigger than Colorado State, bigger than Toledo, of which Wright State had success inside the paint for. Does that now translate into Wright State having to take more threes this evening? So that's really kind of what you're watching is is Wright State's 0-2, but they've played two solid opponents, decent games, 
And can they come in and give the Hoosiers a game? Coming up on the other side, uh, we shift from college basketball to college football. Notre Dame with a different thought on a key recruiting change. Interesting take on something that I think a lot of coaches, assistants, and, and people around the sport find as just an annoyance. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney, and Biggie Smalls here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. 46862 is the text line number 46862. You can text Saturday to 46862. Again, the keyword Saturday to 46862, and you'll be entered to win a four-pack of tickets to see IU and Michigan State this Saturday down in Bloomington, noon kickoff at Memorial Stadium for the Old Brass Spittoon rivalry game. Yes. Go and see the rivalry game. And as we've said, potentially could be Tom Allen's song. final home game. Who yeah. knows? I, I don't feel that confident, but <laughs> yes, we'll see. <laughs> maybe just maybe it'll happen. Uh, so from college football in Bloomington to college football in South Bend, Indiana. And I saw this the other day and this was something that I think on the surface, a lot of coaches, a lot of assistants, a lot of media in college football. Shoot, I looked at it and thought, wow, that's a duh. Like, it's a why, why would you not do that? And that's the move that the NCAA made to ban photo shoots for right. unofficial visits. Uh huh. Makes a lot of sense because kids still get what, like five officials? Is that per, per year, right? Uh, man, that's a lot. If so, I think a lot and so it's like yeah okay that makes a lot of sense right but Notre Dame director of recruiting Chad Bowden does not like the NCAA photo shoot ban uh, saying kids deserve to enjoy their visits and, and went on to basically talk about why this is something that's that's got to stay I, I, I found this very fascinating his, his comments he, he said visualizing being in the locker room on the field and in the uniform is important these schools are lazy, and it's a hassle for them. If they don't like it, they should go work in the NFL. It's all about the kids. We want photo shoots and video shoots for the kids. We're going to fight like crazy to do right by them. Not the <laughs> response and uh, I would expect from a director of recruiting who has to do this for every single unofficial visit, right? The You play dress up. You get a, a picture yeah, in the locker photo, room. A, which is one video. thing as opposed to an actual photo shoot. But so many programs have said, thank God we don't need to do this anymore because if one program does it or a handful of programs, then everybody yeah. has to do it. And not all programs have this mega staff to do this kind of stuff. But like the, like, like the director of recruiting for Notre Dame said, basically, well, that's their problem kind of, right? Is if you can do it, great. If you can't. I, I think, though, the, the, the over underlying thing for me is, man, you're just, you're just kissing so much ass with these teenagers yeah you know and it's just it makes me uncomfortable but i guess that's the game you have to play when you're trying to um get a kid to come to your school but i i don't really like i'm fine with it going away but it didn't really bother me in the first place that it was happening so kind of apathetic to it the the thing i think notre dame sees is look it's a recruiting tool before the official visit because once you're on the official visit, that's where kids have largely narrowed down their list to begin with. Correct. On the unofficials, this is a, a way to put out there that 
hey, this school's letting me do this. And, you know, it makes you feel good, right? It's a good first impression. Well, if you're Notre Dame and you're fighting for some of these top recruits and they don't pick an official visit for you, well, you don't get that experience, right? You don't get the experience of putting on the golden helmet and, and all of that and, and being on the field, being this, like you don't get that earlier on in the, in the process. So I get Notre Dame wanting it because they feel like that gives them an advantage early on. Correct. And now the photo shoot is essentially more of a closing tool than kind of a, a starting point in these re- recruitments. And I get it. I, I really do in terms of it being an advantage for them, but that's not precluding, precluding them from still putting on the, 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 the uniform and doing all that and taking photos on their phone or whatever. It's just doesn't, it doesn't have to be so, so mega professional in terms of actually being a photo shoot and lights and, and, got canvas and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't have to be that production, but you can still technically take their photos and stuff. But uh, when you have the assets, when you have the resources, you're able to do things like that. And Notre Dame definitely has the resources. Well, and I mean, we don't want to limit kids from the opportunity to dance on the platform with Brian Kelly either. Yeah, exactly. Because we we love to watch that and see how uh, uncomfortable it looks for all involved. So at the at the very least, it gives us something to talk about, chuckle at that we'll no longer have. But yeah, we don't we don't want to lose that opportunity. <laughs> Anytime we can laugh at Brian Kelly <laughs> is an opportunity that we need to take. Oh, for sure. So I I just think it's interesting because this is counter to the perspective that basically everyone else has has said in terms of college football media and coaches and staff like. I have not seen this take anywhere, but I've, I found it fascinating that Notre Dame saw this as an advantage, and rightfully so, uh, for them in recruiting athletes and, and getting them into their football program as maybe more of a, a first step to make something happen as opposed to a, a closing deal, and that's all it can be used for now. I just wonder, you know, is this going to have a huge impact on recruiting, or is this just another one of those things that well, they didn't do it before, and then they started it, and then now it's going away, and, and people just move on. Well, I think this is an indicative of, of this was an advantage for Notre Dame. Yes, clearly. Every university is different, and Notre Dame said, well, we can't hype weather, and we can't hype the beach and everything that that brings. We can't hype recent national championships. This was something that they felt they had an advantage over other programs in having this. And being able to execute this and taking that away now puts Notre Dame at a disadvantage because it can't fall back on other things. So this to me is is a is a tell, so to speak, that Notre Dame felt we had an advantage over other programs in this realm when it came to recruiting and closing with recruits. And now that's gone because other avenues that other programs use, whether it's recent national titles or weather or women or whatever you can you can spin city. It's yeah, city. Trust me, nobody's going to South Bend unless you have to, and and so for that, you look at Notre Dame and say, well, this is where we have to make up ground in some of those things, and being able to make these kids feel loved and appreciated and hyped up, and they took advantage of it, and taking that away is a definite negative now for Notre Dame. A couple other notes for Notre Dame: uh, defensive coordinator Al Golden, uh, nominee for the Broyles Award, goes to the nation's top assistant. Uh, this is, this is fascinating. Uh, former Irish assistant coaches, Tommy Reese, and Mike Dinbrock also nominees oh, for the hey. award. So Tommy Reese, after it was 
tough sledding early on in Alabama. Obviously, they've had a very successful season. Uh, Notre Dame safety Xavier Watts, uh, one of the five finalists for the Nagurski Trophy Award, which goes to college football's top defensive player. Uh, last time Notre Dame won this award was back in 2012 with Manti Teo. So hmm. uh, some success there as far as getting some trophies in the offensive line. Already a finalist for the Joe Moore Award to the nation's top offensive line. They won it several years ago as well. And Notre Dame back in action this weekend against Wake Forest at home. We'll see if Notre Dame can bounce back after loss bye week and now get the Demon Deacons coming in in the home finale for the Irish. Yeah, Sam Hartman opportunity to bounce back uh, against his former team and it's a Wake Forest defense. Not very good against the past. 10th in the ACC. So this, if he was going to have a bounce back game, this was the opportunity or is the opportunity to do so. If he can't dominate Wake Forest, then there's a yeah, there's a problem. There's issues, significant <laughs> issues for Notre Dame. Absolutely. Coming up on the other side, we'll kick off hour number two. Is this Justin Fields' final chance in Chicago? He's expected to return Sunday to start at Detroit from a thumb injury. Also, Mike Woodson must adjust on three point shooting for IU. Uh, the Hoosiers have struggled from distance for years, and they're getting outscored from there as well. Uh, we'll take a look at that. Uh, the Major League Baseball eyeing tweaks to the pitch clock and Hallmark movie season basically upon us already. And what if a company would pay you money to watch the movies? We'll uh, give you the details on that. I, I'm not a fan, and I know you're not either. Of Hallmark movies? Yeah. No, no. I, if, <laughs> no. It's, uh, it's um, not my cup of tea. We'll say that. And I try to avoid them. But depending on money, I'll do a lot of things for money. <laughs> Won't we all? Uh, and don't forget, you can still enter to win a four-pack of tickets to the IU-Michigan State football game. Uh, the keyword is Saturday, so just text Saturday to 46862. Again, Saturday to 46862. Four-pack of tickets for IU-Michigan State coming up down in Bloomington. Noon kickoff at Memorial Stadium. Justin Fields, final chance in Chicago. That's next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Hour number two here on a Thursday. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Caleb Hatch and Justin Kinney with you coming up this hour on the show. Justin Fields, final chance in Chicago. He returns after a thumb injury. I know, Justin, you think otherwise, but it seems like this is it for Fields as a Chicago Bear. Plus, Mike Woodson must adjust on three-point shooting. The Hoosiers struggling from distance, really, since Tom Crean was fired. But the issue is not just not shooting enough threes, but also getting outscored by opponents. Plus, Major League Baseball eyeing a tweak to the pitch clock that could make games even shorter after last year started out positive, and then, of course, Game times extended throughout the year. And uh, it's Hallmark movie season, and a company will pay you to watch Hallmark movies. I think this is the only way I could willingly do this for myself. We'll, we'll get to that at about 8.50 or so. How much does it have to be? I, well, I'm fascinated to see how much, because I have a, a number in it's my an, head. It's enough for me. How long is it? Do you have to watch them all month? You have to watch a certain number, and you get a certain payout. Okay. 
We'll so break I, it down I, later I, on. I don't hour. know. I mean, the the number as far as the money is good, but the number of movies, I don't know. <laughs> it it sounds brutal. Them. I mean, it's almost like they become like every night in December, they have yes. a new one. Oh, yeah. Brutal. And a new one. I mean, new in quotation marks, right? Yes. Yeah, new. <laughs> no, I, but it's just, yeah, I think they do produce a lot of them over the for the Christmas holiday. But yeah, we'll talk about that at the end of the show. Uh, 46862 is how you hit us up on the text line. 46862. And you can text Saturday to 46862. Be in the running for a four-pack of tickets for Saturday's IU-Michigan State football game. Uh, noon kickoff down in Bloomington for that one. So again, just text Saturday to 46862. We'll pick a winner at the end of the show this morning. Last uh, last four-pack we're giving away this week. So we will not have a giveaway tomorrow. So this is your final chance if you want to win tickets for IU Michigan State. Also, don't forget, you can always stream us, 1380thefan.com, on the free 1380thefan app or on your smart speaker as well, also for free. And if you miss anything on the show, if you miss anything in hour number one, you can always download the latest episode for free on your favorite podcasting platform on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Look for it around 10.30 or so each and every morning. So, Justin Fields is returning. He is expected to start Sunday for the Bears game at Detroit, returning from that thumb injury where he missed the past several weeks. Now, he has seven weeks as an evaluation period ahead of a team option that's due next spring. Obviously, I think the Bears will know where things stand by the end of this regular season. Uh, There's not going to be any doubt come next spring on what they're going to do. And for Fields, prior to the injury... He had a couple of four touchdown pass games and back-to-back starts against the Broncos and the Commanders. Uh, and he has a career-best completion percentage as well at nearly 62% on the year. I know you've argued this. But you argue to run it back, but if things don't go well, how do you run it back? Like, how do you how do you make that reasoning? How no, do you make that work? No, I agree. But my 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 push for Justin Fields to stay is more predicated on the fact that he's still going to do some good things. He's still not, he's still going to do some bad things. I, I have a hard time seeing him play well enough for the Chicago bears to say, yes, he's our guy. And I have a hard time seeing him playing bad enough to say, no, he's not our guy. He's still going to leave things ambiguous to whether he's the dude or not in Chicago, because that's really how it's gone for the fair amount of the last three years is he has a good game. He has a bad game. He has a good half. He has a bad half. He has a bad half. He has a good ending. It's just inconsistency. You just can't get a read exactly on where he's at right now. And and that's been the, the case for the last three years. But as you mentioned, coming into his return from the dislocated thumb, and it's something where it's lingered multiple weeks in terms of the, the pain and the ability to grasp the football, which is kind of important if you're going to throw it. And he heads into a showdown with the, with the Lions that is is a crucial one in his future. And if he can go out and perform well, then maybe it says something. But th- this is just kind of what what uh, what Bears fans have been through with Justin Fields is when you think you know one way or the other, something happens to kind of bring it back to neutral. It, it feels like though to me one of those situations where. If you don't really have a clear-cut answer, that's your answer. I mean, it's it's like oh, yeah, you, it's like being in an on again off again relationship. If if there's no real progress and you and one party's unsure, like that's all you need to know. Right? And, think, and, and that's where I feel like this is headed. Right. And, and I think that's the problem because 
even if you look towards the draft, you don't know, really. You, you never know. Everybody was all about Bryce Young this time, this last year. Everybody was all not, about... Not us. No, but everybody was all about Anthony Richardson and the Combine, who's emerged as the best quarterback of the trio so far is C.J. Stroud. So similarly, you have so many people talking up Caleb Williams. You have Drake May in there as well. Who knows? They just don't think there's no can't-miss prospect. There's no Trevor Lawrence in there that the Bears say, well, if it doesn't work out, over the next seven games with Justin Fields, we definitely know we're going. We're going after Trevor Lawrence. It's just a lot of question marks. There's just which which aptly fits because there's been question marks around Justin Fields his entire career. So seven games left, as you mentioned, they get the Lions twice. Uh, they're at Detroit this weekend, uh, next weekend at Minnesota. Then they host the Lions after a bye week. They also have the Browns on the road, the Cardinals at home, Falcons at home, and at Green Bay. Um, three and four, four and three, like it, like, is there kind of a record you would put on it for Chicago needing to, to hit a, a target number of wins to feel like you can do something with Justin Fields? I don't know if it's a target amount of wins as what he needs to show. I think he needs to show, he needs to throw double the amount of touchdowns than interceptions. Hasn't been able to do that in his entire career in a season. Overall, 35 touchdowns, 27 interceptions. He needs to show the ability to have presence in the pocket and read things as they happen, not be late on throws, not hold the ball too long. The the things that have stood out with Justin Fields over the part better part of three seasons. He needs to show development in that respect. Because eventually in year three, you just kind of if you haven't seen it by now, it's probably not going to happen, at least in with Chicago. So those are the kind of the, the benchmarks. I can't put a win-loss record on it for Justin Fields. I think you put on individual performance and how he's able to lift up that offense and see if he can do that. His rating is as high as it's ever been. His completion percentage is as high as it has ever been in his career. But you still look at the decision-making and the impact on that. He's a guy that hasn't run the ball as much as last year. He's only has over just close to 240 yards rushing on the season and a touchdown. He ran for 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns a year ago. So what you see over the next seven games, I think, is going to dictate what the Chicago Bears do heading into the offseason, and that will be a whole different conversation. I mean, you mentioned that we talked about this career high completion percentage. He's running less, but also with that, only one fumble uh, on the year, didn't lose it. So that's a massive improvement from last year where he had nine fumbles somehow didn't lose any um but i i think the tools are there if he can continue to grow in that connection with dj Moore, like there's an opportunity it's it's just oh can he be consistent and again we're not expecting detroit or detroit we're not expecting chicago to completely turn around i mean one they have detroit twice and i don't think they stay in a chance in those games but he was showing well prior to the injury. And I get it. You could say, well, that's against the Commanders and the Broncos. Well, the Commanders and Broncos have turned out to be mid-level teams and not complete dumpster fires like they looked like at the time. So that's also different. Um, you can only play who you play when you play them. And I think Fields has a chance. It's just 
to me, it feels like the Bears are going to be stuck in this cycle again. Like it, it just it yeah, doesn't feel like he's going to show enough. He's good enough to be a mediocre, at best, starter in the NFL. Is he a guy that's going to all of a sudden flip the switch and be a playoff game-winning quarterback? I have a hard time seeing that. You mentioned the Washington and, and Denver games. And combined in those games, eight touchdowns, one interception. But the rest of the season combined, the other four games he has played in, three touchdowns and five interceptions. So it's, it's just breaking down Justin Fields' entire career is in certain games, in certain situations, he looks really good. In certain games, in certain situations, he looks really bad. And he's run out of excuses. Justin Fields' defenders will say he never had talent around him, the offensive line, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. They have a good, good set of skill players. Okay, the running back stable is solid. You have DJ Moore, legit number one. You have Cole Komet, who's emerged as I would say a top fifteen tight end in the NFL. You have pieces. Darnell Mooney is a solid number two. Okay, the excuses are over for Justin Fields. That said, I don't see anything changing for Justin Fields. I think you're going to see some positives, some negatives, and at the end of the seven games, you're going to go, well, we still really don't know. But maybe you do know. That's just this is just who Justin Fields is. He's never going to be a elite quarterback in the NFL, but he's also going to wow you at times with his athleticism. And I think that's just who he is. The question is, are the Chicago Bears ready to embrace it for another season? Or at the end of this year, are they ready to punt on him? I think the you mentioned these the lack of skill players was the long excuse. Oh, he's got to have better people. Like, that's gone. Like, I just, I don't, I don't buy that excuse anymore. And that's, that's been the excuse I, I feel like for the bears for a long time. It's been, right? a, it's been oh, a crutch we, for we, Justin. We don't Fields have lovers, the, the quarterback, or we don't have the wide receiver, the running back. I just, I don't buy it anymore. I want, to, I want to see him be successful. And it looks like CJ Stroud is at least an Ohio state quarterback that is going to be successful at least so far through his rookie year. For Justin Fields, I just I don't know. I don't I don't feel confident. But again, you're of the mindset of if you're the Bears, just keep them. Why not keep them and run it back one more time? And that's more to do with not liking the, the, the options in the draft, as opposed to Justin Fields. The Justin Fields is are the Chicago Bears a better team next year with Justin Fields a quarterback? Probably not. They'd be better with him than a rookie. Right? But that's the thing. And and if you don't like the rookies that are available, then and especially with the rookie contract where you can exercise the fifth year option and just keep him, um, or fourth year option, then you, you may do that. Do you do that anyway? Do you draft somebody and exercise the option and have Justin Fields give the opportunity to start, but with some pressure behind him, I've, I've, and that's something completely separate. I've never understood this uh, mindset in the NFL that, you have to make sure a quarterback feels secure in their starting job. What's throughout college football and high school, you have quarterback battles, but you're just not allowed to have those in the NFL for whatever reason, because all of a sudden the, these, these, the, the egos are so bruised if they're not named QB one, I don't see a problem. And people will say, well, you can't keep somebody and draft somebody. Well, why not? Because you're not paying a, an exceptional amount of money to Justin Fields even if you exercise that option. So who's to say the Chicago Bears don't do both 
and keep Justin Fields, draft somebody, and say may may the best man win heading into twenty twenty four. I mean, you're you're looking at a dead cap of eleven point one million if you cut him after this year. After next year, it's six million dollars. So it's obviously a, a bigger savings. And again, it's. And the Bears aren't up against it in the cap. They can no. they they can afford to bring back Justin Fields and draft a quarterback in the first round. It's just there's this mindset where it has to be either or. But why? Why can't you bring in a Drake May or a Caleb Williams if that's the direction they want to go down and bring back Justin Fields? What's the problem with that? I don't know because it, it goes why. back to the if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Right, but <laughs> we see it in the in college football all the time with quarterback battles and 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 all that stuff, but. It's just in the NFL, apparently, that's just frowned upon because you have to treat the quarterbacks preciously and make sure that their egos are stroked. And if we bring you in, you're the quarterback one. No, you tell Justin Fields saying, we're going to exercise the option on you. We're going to give you an opportunity to win this job heading into next season, but you are going to have somebody breathing down your neck for the first time in your career, be it whether Caleb Williams or Drake May. And then conversely, you tell the guy you're drafting, you're not going to be the number one from the jump, or at the very least, you're going to have to compete for that job. It just seems a lot of the narrative around the Chicago Bears is either Justin Fields next year or not, and they take a quarterback. Why can't you do both for one more year next year? We shall see what they do, and we'll see how Justin Fields will play in his return on Sunday. The Bears take on the Lions' 1 o'clock kickoff in that one coming up on the other side IU getting ready for Wright State tonight Mike Woodson it, it, is this is puzzling to me that IU has had these struggles that they have from three across multiple coaches now we'll take a look at the numbers IU and three-point shooting and defensively and why Mike Woodson has to emphasize something they're simply not doing enough that's next Caleb and Kenny in the morning 1380 the fan and 100.9 FM Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on a Thursday. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney with you. Don't forget you can text Saturday to 46862 and be in the running for a four-pack of tickets for the IU-Michigan State game coming up this Saturday down in Bloomington. Noon kickoff at Memorial Stadium in that one. Again, text Saturday to 46862. Also another text coming in uh, on the text line talking about Hallmark movies. Guys, you got to appreciate those Hallmark movies. My wife and adult daughter watch them every night during holiday season, and I get to go in my man cave, drink beer, and scratch myself. In the old days, <laughs> she would rent sappy movies and make me watch them with her. All men should praise the Hall Pass channel. <laughs> I agree. It helps, too, to have the adult daughter, too, with yeah. her, so you're not being sucked in. Yeah, I, phenomenal, but I, great point. It is a good point. I know I'll have to watch... At least they're not actually on the Hallmark channel. Usually, like, my wife will want to watch the, the Netflix ones. Uh-huh. But then again, Net- Netflix access is all jacked up. So, like, her family has, like, a, a family plan. Okay. But yet, we still can't watch it without, it- like, a code. Oh, really? Yeah. So, like, it's set up to have multiple devices. But you still have to get the code. Yeah, when you sign and in. obviously we're not getting the code directly to us, so it's just uh-huh. su- such a. So we don't even bother use somebody yeah, and say we don't hey, even use it anymore. Yeah, like we can watch on I think an iPad, but on the TV, like you you can't do it. It's it's weird. I don't know. 
Are there any Christmas movies, classic Christmas movies that she's like, we have to watch around the holidays? Um, I don't know. I, it's I a always, wonderful life I always see, I like Street. it's a wonderful life. She does not, but I always have to watch that. She doesn't like it. Gets some black and white. I don't know. She just, she's like, yeah, it's not fine. But I watch that every year and we usually watch the home alone movies. That's really about it. We've are. Well, not me, but they've already been watched in my house. The home alone movies already this week. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we also have our Christmas stuff up too. So yeah, uh, it goes along. We'll but yeah, probably I, do that this weekend. I came home yesterday, and my son parked himself on the couch and was eating a snack after school and watching Home Alone too. Like, okay, sure, why not? Although I did turn on a Christmas story. It was on uh, TBS or TNT earlier this week, and watched the last like twenty minutes of that. So. I that is the one Christmas movie I cannot stand. That is, we've talked about that before. I have another buddy that cannot stand that movie. It's a classic in our house and in my family, but uh, that is a point of contention with us is you're not yes. a fan of a Christmas no, story. not a fan. Not a fan at all. The kid's just annoying. I don't care about your Red Rider BB gun. Get over yourself. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, so IU basketball getting set for Wright State tonight. The Hoosiers, uh, this is another opportunity for them. They've not looked good in games one and two. Another opportunity, though, yes, it's a, a Wright State team projected to do well in the Horizon League, but Wright State themselves, 0-2, have not looked good, given up an average of nearly 92 points per game on the season. But IU is it, one problem with the program. So they've struggled from distance since Tom Crean was fired. Uh, in the first two games of the year, they've been outscored by 54 points alone just from the three-point line. Like, that's a problem. And the the issue is not just the fact that IU doesn't take many threes, which they do not. It's that their opponents have found success shooting threes against IU's defense. It's, and, and it's a fascinating point that Zach Osterman makes. In the last six years, like you mentioned, in the, not in the top 300 in the country in percentage of points scored from threes. So for a while, it was IU couldn't make threes. Now the narrative has changed is IU just does not take threes. In last season, Indiana scored 600 points off three-point shots, made 200 threes. Opponents made 263 threes for 784 points. That's a minus 184-point differential from the three-point range. And only once in Archie Miller's tenure, did Indiana rank lower than 45 nationally and adjusted defensively of defensive efficiency? So when you ch- when you compare the three-point shooting with the defensive performance, it's basically saying IU's not making enough threes and they give up too many threes. How do you it, it's a double-edged sword because I think offensively you can say they need to make threes and on defense they need to be better at defending. Well, in in shooting threes on the offensive end, the one of the issues has just been like so last season, and I get it, it was a limited sample size for Xavier Johnson, but he shot thirty seven percent. He's a guy you you want taking three, four, five threes a game. Uh, the other guy would be Trey Galloway, who shot forty six percent from three last year. He's he's a guy who over the over the course of his IU career has improved considerably from three point range. Went from twenty one percent his sophomore year to forty six percent last year. The problem is he just doesn't take enough threes like period so that's an issue as well he's not shooting enough threes to really make an impact and between those two guys and then you put cj gun out there who you expect to be more of a shooter 
Like you have people who can shoot threes. That's not the issue. They're just not shooting them enough. Well, it's just not the offense. And that goes back on Mike Woodson. In college basketball, like this is how you win. Like you need great guard play. You need three-point shooters. And IU has the guards, you would think, right? Between last year they had the guards and, and this year. But no one's shooting enough threes. Like it's not just a defensive issue. It's that they're not taking advantage of on the offensive end either. And it doesn't seem to be a focal point. You look at Purdue, the, re- the, the best player in America last year. So the, nat- the, the, the inclination is feed, 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 which they did. Purdue was still 231st in the country in three-point makes per game at just under seven. That's not a lot, but you would think that that would be lower for a team that wants Zach Eady to take shots around six feet and in around the basket every possession. Indiana was 327th last year in three-point shots made per per game at 5.7. That's the issue. 327 out of 363 teams. So, and it's not like Indiana was shooting five of 31 last year from range. They have a good shooting percentage from three. The, The narrative is no longer they can't make threes. They can make threes. They're just not shooting them. And you don't want it. You want, you don't want all of a sudden IU to come out and just start chucking tonight, but you want it to be a natural uh, transition with the offense, a natural move with the, within the offense that they're running. It's just, it's not a priority for Mike Woodson coach teams. That's just plain and simple. That's obvious. And I really question why he's a guy that comes from the NBA where the three is dominant. It's, it's a huge part of the NBA game, yet he comes in and just seemingly not an important aspect of the game for the Hoosiers. Well, and, and you know, you look at him coming from the NBA, but you look at his time as an NBA head coach, and it really was, he wasn't a head coach in the era where the three was an end-all, be-all. So it's like that wasn't the NBA style because his last year as a head coach in the NBA was... 2013, 2014 with, with the Knicks. I mean, it wasn't until a year later, you know, that Golden State really had their breakout season, won a title, and, and, and things really started changing. Um, but at the same time, he's been an assistant. So it's not like he, you know, hasn't been around that culture. It's just, it's so puzzling to me that a guy who came from the NBA, who was an assistant coach, uh, after that time as a head coach with the Knicks, he was an assistant with the Clippers for several seasons, and then back with the Knicks again as an assistant before coming to IU, and, and yet the three-point shot is not emphasized. Like It it, it doesn't make sense to me, and, and IU's lucky that Wright State is a program. Kind of the same deal under their head coach where things have gone. They don't attempt many threes either. In fact, they've not ranked higher than 265th nationally in three-point three attempts per field goal attempts. Uh, and and they're at twenty six point seven percent in that metric this year. IU in comparison twenty seven point three percent. So IU happens to match up with a team that takes less threes so far than them, which is hard to believe. Just comes down to the fact that look, uh, three is more than two, and it helps your team if you're making threes. And IU's just not taking enough of them. Last year they were three hundred and fifty second in the country in three point attempts. And it's not like you can point to, well, IU doesn't have three-point shooters. They have guys who can make 
Three points. They had Miller Cop last yeah, year. Yeah, they had Miller Cop. Xavier Johnson was limited by injury, but then also Trey Galloway. I mean, you had two guys who were shooting about 45%. You have dudes that can shoot from the outside. It's just, for whatever reason, not a priority for Mike Woodson at Indiana. And point blank, I think Mike Woodson should be asked why. Why isn't the three-point shot more of a priority? When three is more than two, if you, and the goal is to score points on every possession, and you have an opportunity to score more points per possession by shooting more threes and making more threes, why is Indiana refusing to do it? And it's been a thing for Archie Miller coach teams and now under Mike Woodson. Why are they not shooting more three? It's not a case of they can't make them anymore. They're just not shooting them. And, and it doesn't make sense to me. Now, I, I mean, this is wild, but could it just go back to the fact there wasn't a three-point line when Mike Woodson played in college basketball? <laughs> back in my day. So it just wasn't wasn't even a priority or a focus. And and obviously, when he played as a player in the NBA, that that wasn't a priority or focus either. Like I just, I don't understand. Because there there's, every metric will tell you how do you win a championship? Well, you got to have great guard play. You got to be able to make threes. You got to play good defense. And he's gone away from, you know, a, a big man style dominated basketball, you know, like Purdue is, is, is done for years and the Big Ten has had a, a focus on, which I don't think works in March. I think it works in the regular season. And we've seen how that's played out over the years with different big men, whether it's Hunter Dickinson, Kofi Coburn, Zach Eady. Uh, you could keep going down the list of, of bigs in the Big Ten. But yet, this inability to adjust with three-point shooting, it just it, it's puzzling. To me. I, I don't understand why this continues to be a problem. It, it seemed like, oh, last year it was more roster-based, right? Because you had Race Thompson, who actually would shoot some threes, and then you had Trace Jackson Davis, where that's not his game, and that's fine. But you thought, okay, this year, clean slate. Mike Woodson has more of a, t- a team that fits you know, the playing style and coaching style he wants, and yet it's still a problem. And it just doesn't seem to be anything that's changing anytime soon. Mike Woodson, as we've seen through f- first two, season, two, two games of this season, they want to pound the ball inside. They want to move the ball. They want to get their length in positions to succeed. It's not, hey, everything is predicated... The top priority for Indiana, every possession, is to get the ball around the rim. And that's fine. But when you have the ability to shoot more threes and you're not, I have a hard time, any reason, justifying that. Is is, is Mike Woodson can say whatever he wants, it's just a mistake not to be chucking more. He, he went out into the portal and got a, a big man who can shoot threes and Khalil Ware. Yes. <laughs> like, won't even give him much of a shot. Out there. Like that, that's what's, that is the, the thing I just don't get. And at, at and w- some point, this coaching philosophy is going to, to be a clear problem and a clear reason. And maybe IU will get called out on it eventually, but it just seems like something that's not going away. It seems like it's only going to be more glaringly obvious as the season goes along. And when you get into March, and we've talked about the importance of guard play, and that includes being able to shoot the basketball and make threes, is I use just not a threat out there. And the big thing is, too, is when you're not a threat to shoot threes, then defenses don't respect it as much. 
and don't key on it as much. The 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 scouting report for Indiana under Mike Woodson is, hey, this team isn't going to take very many threes. Okay, so we really don't have to defend the three or or spend a lot of time at working on defending that shot because they're only going to take about fifteen a game. So at best, at best, so they can they can then hone in defense on their game plan on what they're doing inside the arc. It's just at this point, it's not even a threat. So teams aren't respecting it. I get that it's we're two games into the season. I understand, but this has happened throughout. Yes, we Mike have Woodson's enough of tenure. a sample size by now through two plus seasons to know this is where that stands, and it doesn't seem to be getting better. It almost seems to be getting worse because he's actually getting shooters on the roster again, and that was you know the the issue when he first stepped in. Now it's not necessarily the issue; it's that you know did guys not have the you know, the green light to shoot, is it that simple? Is it just not something they work on? I don't know, but it's puzzling. It's um, it's absolutely puzzling because I think some people that, that would push back and say, well, you guys were saying IU took too many threes at one point. Well, they did when they didn't have shooters, but you could say they have shooters now. Now they're not, it's not taking enough of them. So either way, it falls on Mike Woodson. Either he's not recruiting shooters or he's not putting together game plans that really focus on getting shots up from the outside. It doesn't seem like that's a priority. Coming up on the other side, Major League Baseball has made it a priority to continue adjusting the pitch clock, the latest move they're looking at next. You're on Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Caleb and Kenny in the morning here on a Thursday. Caleb Hatch, Justin Kinney. All right, let's play the game. Uh, This is Phil Collins. It is Phil Collins. Congratulations. Good job. (laughs) Finally got one right. (laughs) Very nice. Phil Collins or Genesis. Uh, Got that one right. Uh, You can text Saturday to 46862. Again, Saturday to 46862. Our final four-pack of tickets for IU Michigan State coming up this Saturday afternoon at Memorial Stadium, a noon kick and that one, if you want to win, again, just text Saturday to 46862. All right. Major League Baseball has eyed another change. So they added the pitch clock last year. And I'd say it resulted in a lot of success. But now the competition committee looking at a another change to maybe kind of tweak things and improve things a little bit more. So the proposal is to move from 20 seconds to 18 seconds with runners on base. Game times went up by seven minutes late last season. It'd still be 15 seconds without anyone on base. So no change there. You look at the game time. So two, two hours, 37 minutes in April and May, two hours, 39 minutes in June, two hours, 40 minutes in July, two hours, 41 minutes in August and two hours and 44 minutes in September. So you knew play would probably go up the, the, as far as the pace would slow a little bit. The the latest on this as far as so the competition committee can implement a change with a 45-day notice to players. So I believe we're well ahead of that window ahead of even spring training. So to me this seems like a no-brainer to continue to tweak things and and get it right. I like the addition of it. It made baseball a lot more watchable yep. again. And now this is just a more of a fine tuning element. I don't think it's going to 
create a whole lot of problems. No, I don't think so. And it two seconds doesn't sound a lot a lot of time, but when you're throwing two hundred pitches and two hundred and fifty pitches in a game between both teams, and it can be uh, significant. So every little bit helps. So for me, it playoffs don't really matter to me in terms of the pitch clock. I but during the season, uh, being able to shorten it a little bit is going to be uh, very helpful because every every little bit helps, particularly when you're looking at a, a sport like baseball that can drag, absolutely drag at times. Oh, and when you have that many games, right? I mean, you have 162 regular season games. Again, I don't think anyone has an issue in the postseason, but the first spring training game, I mean, it's sooner than you think, February 22nd. Yes. So, I, uh, I mean, it's it's coming up a lot faster. Yes. It's uh, just a couple months away. But, we, but the problem is we're going to have to get through the depths of winter to get there. Yes. It's, uh, it's, it's rough. But uh, talking about uh, baseball and also the NFL with Thursday night football coming up tonight. Who do we got? Cincinnati and Baltimore yeah, tonight. Yeah, decent matchup. Yeah, decent matchup with Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow. But primetime games this week. We talked about the crappiness last week of the primetime game. So we get Cincinnati Baltimore tonight. We get Vikings Broncos on Sunday, which all of a sudden is an intriguing matchup. <laughs> yeah, right. Who would have guessed that two weeks ago? And then we get Eagles and Chiefs on Monday night. So we we had to suffer through last week, but we have a, a trio of solid games in primetime coming up this week. Uh, a diamond rises from the ashes of week 10 to give us week 11. And we don't have to uh, to watch the Colts this weekend. No yeah, no, Colts. no, no Colts this weekend on the bye. It's it's a weird like I mean, it's weird because you have no Colts game, but then you have the that IU UConn game that I feel like is going to get a lot more attention because the Colts are on a bye. Is Otherwise, that, it'd be an afterthought. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, it looks like we'll get Steelers Browns that one o'clock CBS Ooh. game. That or J- Titans Jaguars. Um, yeah, I'll I'll choose watching the IU game over. Is the <laughs> IU games. game concurrent? Is it start early? It's a one o'clock, it's a one o'clock start yeah. tip. Gotcha. So yeah, but, it, but it's at IU. Madison Square Garden. So again, it's it's a unique matchup. Yeah, that'll there. be fun. That'll be fun. But yeah, so it's a interesting slate of games coming up this weekend in the NFL. Also college football, which we talked about a little while ago. And we'll see if Notre Dame can back get back on the winning track. We'll see if Purdue can continue uh to actually put together a winning streak of some sort. IU as well. And of course, we're giving away tickets to Indiana and Michigan State. Text Saturday to 46862 to be in the running to win a four-pack of tickets to the game coming up on Saturday. High noon start, Bloomington kickoff, Michigan State, Indiana. Also a noon start, Purdue and Northwestern. And you can listen to that one right here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM pregame coverage Starts at 11 a.m. on Saturday morning. When you look at, and this is the thing, with college football, with two weeks to go in the regular season, let's break this down, okay? There's big games once again coming up uh, this week. This is the schedule for Michigan's, or for, for the Big Ten this week, okay? So anticipation's ant- amping up. The Pac-12 is another b- couple of big games. It seems like every week that's been a thing. Uh, SEC. Here's the slate for the Big Ten. Michigan and Maryland is your quote-unquote, headliner. So is that at Michigan? That's at Maryland. Oh, wow. Okay. Big noon kickoff doing a game involving one of the the big three teams playing on the road. Shocking, right? Usually it's at home. So that would be your headliner. Well, in in Maryland, 
So I, I, I read you this stat during a break. Yes, this is a uh, this is unbelievable. So Maryland football since joining the Big Ten Conference in 2014, 0 and 33 against ranked Big Ten opponents. It's unbelievable. Going for their first ever win against a rank, not even a top five, top ten, a ranked opponent. They have not beat ever in Big Ten play. But elsewhere in the Big Ten on Saturday, Michigan State, Indiana, Purdue Northwestern, Rutgers, Penn State, Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, Ohio State, Nebraska, Wisconsin. Barf. This team, this conference desperately needs an infusion of of respectability and interest. And they had to do it by basically poaching the entire West coast <laughs> is how they dare how they're going to do it. There's just, there's not enough like the NBC schedule, like Wisconsin's down. So that hurts. Nebraska is just what they are at this point. Um, and there's no CBS game this week. Next year can't come soon enough to give you better matches. Uh, the night, the primetime matchup the, this week. I don't, I don't see how NBC can be satisfied with what's happened outside of Ohio State Notre Dame. Their matchups an, all year have been awful. Yeah, their primetime game this week on NBC, Nebraska, Wisconsin. Maybe back in 1985 that was good. But a cure for insomnia. Turn into that over under right now in that game is 37. You can have 37 points scored in a half or a quarter. In Pac-12, Big 12 play. Can't be worse than the over-under in the Iowa-Illinois game. 30! 30. <laughs> 30 is the over-under. My God. Terrible. And, and you know what? I would bet the under in that game. Yeah, I, I would too. <laughs> uh, so yeah, another another great weekend of Big 10 football coming up. That said, Tech Saturday to force this ACs too to have yourself in the running to win those Tickets to Hoosiers and Spartans coming up on Saturday. Four pack of tickets. So you could uh, hit the road down to Bloomington and see the Hoosiers senior day and perhaps the final home football game for Tom Allen as head coach. Potentially wave goodbye to Tom Allen. (laughs) Coming up on the other side. uh, If you want to get paid to watch Hallmark movies, we'll give you details, but you got to watch a lot. We'll explain next. Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan. And 100.9 FM. Final time here on a Thursday, Caleb and Kenny in the morning, 1380 The Fan, 100.9 FM. Final chance for you also to enter to win a four-pack of tickets for the IU-Michigan State football game coming up this Saturday. Again, keyword is Saturday. So just text Saturday to 46862. Again, Saturday to 46862, and you'll be entered to win uh, those tickets will pick a winner at the end of the show. Final story of the day. A subscription box company is uh, going to pay $2,000 to someone to watch and rank 12 Hallmark holiday movies. Bloomsy Box. Just 12? Yeah. Man, I thought it was going to be like 30. I just feel like 12 is a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Bloomsy Box says the candidate will receive an ample supply of uh, Ghirardelli hot cocoa, two pairs of fuzzy socks, as well, um, the the films will be ranked by criteria including festivity factor, predictability quotient, okay, chemistry check, tearjerker test, and replay value. Hmm. So here here are the films: the most wonderful time of the year, which came out in two thousand eight, Crown for Christmas twenty fifteen, The Nine Lives of Christmas twenty fourteen, Christmas Getaway twenty seventeen, 
Journey Back to Christmas, which came out in 2016. Ghosts of Christmas Always, which came out last year. Family for Christmas in 2015. Christmas Under Wraps in 2014. Three Wise Men and a Baby came out last year. A Royal Christmas in 2014. North Pole in 2014. And The Christmas Train in 2017. Uh, Also, in addition to the money, the candidate will receive a 12-month flower box subscription. Applications open through December 3rd. What's it pay? $2,000. Plus, you get cocoa, you get two pairs yeah, of fuzzy socks, fuzzy socks, and you get a 12-month flower box subscription. So Obviously geared toward women, obviously but I mean, if you're a man women, if you're, and you win this, seriously, you, you get, get flowers yeah, every once month? Once a month, you can give the wife flowers? That seems like a win. There's worse, deal, there's worse things to do for $2,000. I, I would do it. See, they lost me at twelve. That's a lot. See, I thought twelve doesn't sound too bad. I thought it was gonna be like a lot. 20, but you probably 25. have to watch all twelve within like thirty days. I could do that. <laughs> I mean, I drink a lot of alcohol. <laughs> but have to and, spike your hot cocoa. And at the very least, look at it like this: like you can get in good with your wife or significant other, or whatever. If if you're watching these with her, like you can accumulate a lot of points. By doing this, so you can get paid and accumulate points with your significant other doing this. It doesn't sound like a good time at all, (laughs) but you're getting paid and you're getting some credit for future needs. Yeah, you're you're buying a a lot of IOUs. Yes, and you can cash, and you should be able to cash those in at any time. Plus, hot cocoa. Yeah, hot cocoa is good. Yes. That wraps it up for us today. For Justin Kitty, I am Caleb Hatch. Thanks for being with us. Dan Patrick Show coming up next. The Herd with Colin Cowherd at noon. Indiana Sports Beat with Jim Coyle from 3 to 4. And the Sports Rush with Brett Rump. Brett back today from 4 to 6. That's all today here on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Yeah, we got to go enter those that contest. We'll talk to yeah. you tomorrow. <laughs>